are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a December 26th Wednesday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, writer and editor over at LeBron Wire, part of the USA Today NBA Wire sites, writer for the Associated Press as well, and former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to the show. It is Wednesday, it is the day after Christmas. And for the second time in three games, it is the day after the Blazers get thoroughly dominated by the Utah Jazz. The Jazz defeated the Trailblazers last night emphatically once again, 117-96 after a 30-point beatdown at home last Friday. Portland loses by 21 in Utah on Christmas Day. Damian Lillard had 20 points for the Blazers to lead the way, but it was just a balanced offensive attack from the Utah Jazz from all over the roster. They also had some great defense throughout the night, making life hard for Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic as well on the interior. Portland got a slightly better uh, production from their bench in this one than they did a couple of nights ago against the Jazz. Evan Turner with 12 points. Seth Curry with a little personal uh, rally in the second half to kind of get the the lead down to single digits at one point early in the fourth quarter. So, you know, this wasn't a complete debacle in the same way that last Friday's loss to Utah was, but it was still uh, a bad loss. Uh, Zach Collins had 10 points off the bench. Evan Turner, as I mentioned, had 12 but the the starters had a pretty rough night. Alfaru Kaminu hit some three pointers, but uh, just ultimately the the Blazers really couldn't slow the Jazz down, and it came from all angles of the the Jazz attack. Uh, one in particular that I thought was was just maddening for the Blazers all night long was the uh, screen and roll game with Rudy Gobert, who just barreled down the lane seemingly for dunk after dunk uh in the in this game uh, portland got killed by the three-point shot in in the last game and i think maybe they were trying to stick to utah shooters a little bit more so the help from the weak side on the pick and roll wasn't as strong but still you you can't let uh you know you can't let him go down Main Street and just get dunks. And and that is what happened last night. And I, I, I think that's the biggest reason why Portland lost the game is just their inability to slow down that pick-and-roll game. And it didn't really matter who was handling it, whether it was Ingles or Mitchell or Rubio. Gobert was setting a screen, running down the lane, and getting dunks. And he had 18 points to lead the way – or second on the team in scoring behind Donovan Mitchell. But the way Gobert did it was just so dominant, so efficient. He was 7 of 10 from the field and also had 7 blocks. So you know Utah really had it going defensively last night. So you have to give them credit. And this is a team that many at the uh, start of the season predicted to not only win this division, but 
contend with the Golden State Warriors to be the best team in this conference. A lot of people thought Houston took a step back, and and, and maybe you've got uh, this Utah team here ready to kind of pounce and take that mantle. That team actually looks like it's been Oklahoma City, although they lost yesterday to Houston as well. But Utah took care of business. you got to give them credit, but Portland... They lost this game on the defensive end. I, th- I think is 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 really the the way to characterize this loss. Just too many easy baskets down the lane, and even though Portland tried to focus a little bit more on the three point shot, Utah, to their credit, hit some really tough shots. Uh, you know, in the last game, I don't think I would have said that when I was there last Friday when Utah beat them by thirty points. I thought a lot of those were wide open looks and and. Shots that you just can't give up to NBA players and because they'll make them. But in this one, you had a lot of guys on the Jazz making tough shots, whether it was Ingles, Mitchell, Kyle Korver, you name it. Guys were getting really tough three-pointers to go, fadeaways, stuff with lots of good coverage around them. I mean, I think Portland's defense in the middle was really where they were lacking. It wasn't so much lacking on the three-point line this time around. And I think it's important to make that distinction. But Portland still didn't put it together defensively against the Jazz, which is what they – it's just they, they haven't done that in the first two games that they've played. It's Utah either getting open threes in the one game and then get getting Rudy Gobert – easy slam dunks in the second game so utah gets the win they now have guaranteed themselves at least a split of the season series which could be very important down the stretch of the season utah is still out of the playoff picture technically and portland is still in pretty decent shape but uh many people expect utah including myself to make a run at this in these next month or so because they're currently in the middle of a stretch where they're playing 12 of their next 17 games at home so I guess it's been about a couple days since then so they're playing 10 of their uh, next 15 games at home so they're still getting a ton of games on their home court now which is is really huge because they've had according to a lot of people the toughest schedule in the league so far, which has really hurt them. And 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 I'm I'm just gonna reiterate my stance that I don't really I think strength of schedule in the NBA is kind of a BS metric. But using that it, it, like it, it it can be an indicator, I guess, but I don't think I don't it's not like college football where I'm like take where it's like really a huge factor for me when I'm talking about which teams are good and which teams are not. You, you play who's in front of you, and it's not as if Portland has had a very easy schedule either as of late or any of the teams in the Western Conference. I mean, you look at every team in the West, sure, the travel has been a little bit tougher, but Utah is also in, you know, in pretty much in the middle of the country. They're not, the flights for them aren't as long as, as some other teams, and I, I, I just, you know, I, I'm going to take that, that little fact with a grain of salt, but I do think, so the Aside from the past past strength of schedule being kind of a BS metric for me, it is not BS that playing at home and, and playing games at home, it's easier to win. So, to that effect, I think Utah is going to make a run. 
but I don't think it really has as I don't think it has as much to do as their past schedule as it does with their upcoming schedule. So uh, this was a tough loss for Portland, but hey, this is the Western Conference. They're 19 and 15, still in sixth place, and they're going to be battling here all year long. I mean, this it's a 14 team race for eight playoff spots. So this is it's going to be. Uh, a tough one every single night and so uh, while they did have a disappointing loss and it sucks that you know the I think it's only the Blazers fourth loss on Christmas now so they've been traditionally very good on Christmas they've lost their last two Christmas games in fact Uh, but while it would have been nice you know to get a win on Christmas and and especially with the spotlight being what it is on Christmas Day it's it's kind of like the Super Bowl for for the NBA because it's the only it's the one day of the year when everybody's paying attention to your sport and so obviously Portland probably wanted to make a statement but Utah you know as as I mentioned at the top you know this is a team that had high expectations and while they've had a bad season they you know took the opportunity to really make a statement that hey you know, we've had a bad year so far but we're not going away and we're still going to be an elite team in the Western Conference so we're going to take a quick quick break we're going to talk about the improved play of uh, one guy on the Blazers bench that I think it is a good sign for the future and then we're going to look ahead to tomorrow night's game it's a visit with the two-time defending champion Golden State Warriors who are in uh, coming off a, a little bit of a tough game as they got blown out at home last night by the Los Angeles Lakers. And we're back here on Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. It is a Wednesday. It is the day after Christmas. Boxing Day is the, the traditional term for that. But uh, I did want to talk about uh, the the improved play uh, of one key guy on the Blazers who I thought was going to be a big key and I've talked about him a lot on this podcast especially earlier in the season when he was not playing very well and I was very kind of disappointed in what was going on with him but last night in the in the third fourth quarter Portland really made things a little bit more interesting when Seth Curry got going. He got a steal, pull up three to make it a nine-point game. He hit a corner three right after that, and it, it kind of gave the Blazers a little bit of hope last night where, as in the game that they played last Friday, there was no such hope from the Blazers' bench. And over the past couple of weeks since that Toronto game, Seth Curry has has kind of looked more like the guy that I expected and also the guy that the Blazers expected when they signed him. You know, when they let Shabazz Napier walk, they did so because they thought they could get an upgrade. It wasn't that they thought that they could just replace him. They thought that they could do better. And and Curry was that guy for the Blazers that they targeted in free agency and it seemed like he had to shake off some injury rust earlier in the season. And last night, obviously, his his stellar shooting didn't lead to a victory, but he gave them signs of life, which I think is what they expected. And, and earlier in the season, I did a little deep dive into his plus-minus when he was on the court, and Portland was actually playing very well when he was on the court. And that is because he's got a, a great reputation as a shooter, and so guys will still close on on him, they'll still stay close, and they'll still 
pay very, very, very close attention. I mean, that's what the that's what the analytics folks call gravity. They will stick to a guy and make make it harder to help into the interior, and that was kind of what was helping Portland get going. But there's only so many times where you can just have that and not produce. And 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 I think now we're seeing Curry take that threat. And he's making it more of a, a tangible threat for defenses right now. His three-point shot has been good most of the season. And his two-point shot is starting to come back a little bit. But his three-point shot is starting to get so good that you're, you know, you almost start to wonder what the where where you start accepting the trade-off. He's shooting 49% from three so far this year. And his true shooting percentage is actually better than a lot of guys on the Blazers given the fact that he has those three-pointers. I mean, he has a better true shooting percentage than Mo Harkless, better true shooting percentage than C.J. McCollum, better true shooting percentage than Yusuf Nurkic, Evan Turner, lots of guys on the team that play lots of minutes. So his efficiency, for the most part, has been very good, uh, and it's gotten better as of late, though, and I think it's I think that is really what I wanted to focus on. He had that big game against Toronto where he had 13 points off the bench, and then he had eight in the win against Memphis off the bench, 12 against Dallas and then in that win and then he had eight in that little stretch last night but I thought he was much better in that game than he was in the previous Utah game where he only scored three points and the Blazers bench was basically a complete non-factor in that game for Portland so Seth Curry a guy that I expected a lot out of a guy that has only he's averaging five less than five points per game but we're seeing that average start to creep up a little bit and we're starting to see that the threat of his shooting is is not just you know it's not just something that defenses respect it's something that's going to generate points for the Blazers and we're also seeing him handle the ball a little bit more which I think is is a, a good wrinkle for that second unit to have because while Evan Turner uh, really has brought a lot to the table in terms of his playmaking and assisting and all that stuff. It was harder for him to rack up the assists when, when Curry wasn't hitting his shots. And then I think it's just also good to keep defenses honest because you're going to start to see, t- we started to see it a couple of weeks ago, You know, teams start to load up on Turner. They're really going to stick to the shooters and not going to let him create those open looks that he was creating earlier in the season with the Blazers' second unit that kind of got them off on that really great 10-3 and start. So teams start to scout against that, so you've got to have other counters in there, and we're seeing more Curry. We're seeing more Curry as that counter, and we're seeing him handle the ball more at the top of the key in the pick and roll. It's not just him spotting up. So uh, I, I think it's it's really good to see signs of life from Seth Curry because while Nick Stauskas has been really good, you know, I, Curry has, has has had some huge games in this league in the past, and I don't he's not a guy that uh, you know Portland he's not the type of guy that Portland has really had in a couple of years coming off the bench. I mean, he's efficient, he's a great shooter, good passer, uh, and I, I think he can really help that second unit, and I think that's. That's an encouraging sign for this Blazers team, despite last night's loss, despite getting blown out on national TV on the NBA's biggest day. Seth Curry is looking more like the upgrade to Shabazz that the Blazers envisioned when they signed him, and I think that that is a good sign for the future. It doesn't mean that they're going to win you know, their next game or they're going to close out 
the new year undefeated, but I think it just gives them more firepower, gives them more of a chance to really uh, stay where they are and maybe move up a little bit in the Western Conference because, like I said, you're going to need the firepower every night, and and this bench, you know, for better or for worse, this team depends on the bench, and, and uh, Terry Stotts mentioned a couple of uh, days ago that he was really – he really liked what Toronto has done with their bench over the past couple of years, really going without back then it was Lowry and DeRozan. Now it's you know, without Lowry or without Kawhi Leonard, they trust their bench. And I think that Stotts that's been something that's been hard for him. And I think that he deserves credit for kind of sticking with this bench group. And I think these players deserve credit for, you know, especially Seth Curry for sticking to it in in a pretty rough season. So I think we're going to see his numbers continue to go up. We're going to see that usage continue to go up. And I think that that just gives it's a, it, it just gives a new wrinkle. It gives more to this Blazers team that they're going to need if they're really going to be the team that they want to be. So we're going to be right back with one more segment because we're going to talk about the Blazers' next game against Seth's brother Steph and the Golden State Warriors in Oakland tomorrow. And we're back here on Locked on Blazers for our final segment of the day. It is the day after Christmas, and Portland is on the road away from it all as they go. Well, most of them are away from everything, like their families, but Damian Lillard is going home. Uh, Seth Curry is going to run into his brother Steph. So uh, there are some family things that this team gets to do in the next couple of days as they are in the Bay Area to face the two-time defending champion Golden State Warriors, who laid an egg last night on national TV. LeBron James goes down in the third quarter, and the the Laker the Lakers look like they're done up by like 15 or 16, and and the the Warriors have signs of life. They get it down to about nine, and then uh, the Lakers youngsters just took it to him. Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Zubac. Uh, Josh Hart, uh, Kyle Kuzma, all these guys, even Sveev Mikhailik getting in on the act for the Lakers. So the Warriors are coming out. They're, they're licking their wounds right now. And they've had a, a kind of a rough season so far. Draymond Green doesn't look like the same player. He looks like he has no confidence in his offensive shot. Uh, and, and Portland kind of... You know, you talk about this, and I'm sure if you're listening right now, you're like, okay, great. Well, they're still the Warriors because last month when this team didn't have Steph Curry, the Blazers got the blows, the doors blown off of them by Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson going Nova, and that was probably Klay's best game of the year or second best game of the year. He hasn't had that many games like that. And so, um, obviously, everything is taken with a grain of salt because it's December. They're still the Warriors, but... This is just where they are right now. Draymond did not look very good last night. Thompson struggled. I mean, he's a good defender. I, I like his defense, but offensively, he just hasn't really produced. He hasn't uh, shot the lights out for the way we expect Clay Thompson to do it. And uh, last night in the game against the Lakers, Durant, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry were a combined 14 of 44 from the field for 32%. So uh, they're coming off one of their worst games of the year. And then obviously they got embarrassed in the NBA's primetime game. They 
have some help on the horizon. DeMarcus Cousins appears to be uh, getting closer and closer to a return, but he's not going to be back by tomorrow, I don't think. So uh, the the Warriors, their biggest problem, obviously they have the the four stars, five if you include include Andre Iguodala uh, right now, but the rest of their roster is pretty thin. Pat McCaw, who has been a rotation player for them in the past, although he took a step back last year, he's been in a contract holdout for a while because the Warriors say they will match any offer that he gets, and uh, so teams aren't signing Pat McCaw to offer sheets knowing that. And so uh, McCaw just hasn't signed anything, hasn't taken the qualifying offer. He's just still in a holdout, so he's not with the team. They found this guy, Alfonso McKinney, who was playing in Romania or something like that, and then got a, got traded, or not got traded, got a G League tryout and ended up with the Warriors G League team, somehow made the team, and he's probably their best bench wing. So other than other than Iguodala. So um, their depth issues on the wing are pretty tough. Obviously, <laughs> you looking at Portland and you know. Their wings are – it's not the greatest wing tandem either, but uh, for the most part, they're probably – they're definitely better than a lot of the guys on the bench for the Warriors, and uh, they just need to bring some energy, be a little disruptive. It is good that they're going to have most of the – they're going to be mostly healthy. Um, They didn't have Maurice Harkless the last time they they faced off against Golden State, so having another rangy, physical – uh, athletic guy to guard Kevin Durant is going to be good. Another guy to chase Clay Thompson around screens. That's going to be very nice for the Blazers to have. Um, and and it'll be interesting to see you know how how this team does uh, against you know they were they were almost healthy last time. Obviously they didn't have Harkless, but uh, they're still going to be mostly healthy this time. And and the Warriors are kind of in this weird place where. Everyone respects them, and everyone's going to come at them like they're the champs, but they're just not really playing quite like the champs right now. And so uh, this game is interesting because you got both teams coming off of really embarrassing losses on Christmas Day, and uh, the the Blazers. You know, I think I, I, I the Blazers are kind of just in this. They're going to be in this range for most of the season, but. You know, I think they're looking for they they haven't really had a statement road win lately. You know, they beat they beat Milwaukee at home, they beat Toronto at home. They've had a lot of great wins at home. I guess the Indiana win in Indiana early on in the season was a really good road win, but they haven't you know, especially in the West, you know, they go to Memphis, they lose in Memphis. They go to Dallas, they lose in Dallas. They go to Houston, they lose in Houston. They go to San Antonio, they lose in San Antonio. They were just in Utah and they lost there. They haven't really gotten a night. Uh, the Clippers win, okay. But maybe when we look back on the season, you know, it, the Clippers are right there with the Blazers. You know, this is a team that is on a higher level, a team that more people respect and and Portland really hasn't that gotten that type of win yet this season so it'll be interesting to see if they can pull that off I mean will it solve will it just mean that they're that team no but I think for their sake it'll be nice to you know get that confidence boost that hey you know we can beat one of these elite Western Conference teams and Perhaps that'll give them confidence in future road games, but you know they haven't really made that statement road win yet. And I think to be a really good team 
in the Western Conference, you've got to have good nights on the road. And those nights have been pretty few and far between for Portland. So maybe they can get that tomorrow night in Oakland. Damian Lillard's going to be home. The Warriors are going to be a little ticked off after last night's game, and I think the Blazers will be too. So I think it should be a very fun game to watch. So we will be back with a podcast after that. So have a good one until next time, and uh, have a great rest of your week.